Hello and welcome, Toby Ogoshino, and thank you for honoring our invitation today. Um, so today we're going to be speaking about digital and web accessibility. But before I go on, I'd like Toby to introduce herself. So Toby, <laughs> please go ahead and yourself. Hi, um, thank you for having me. Um, I am Toby Ogoshino. I'm a senior product manager, um, and I currently look after Gov.uk accessibility. So Gov.uk is the platform where um, UK citizens go to get information about um, government services um, or information from the government in general. Um, I currently look after accessibility for the platform. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not an accessibility specialist, but I've learned so much just working in this space. So yeah. it's a pleasure to be here today. I feel like this is a topic or that is less spoken about, that is mm. less, like many people are really not aware of. And, you know, it just evades us in our day-to-day -day life. And that's the primary reason why I was curious and interested in bringing you here. To actually share from your years of experience but for a lot of our viewers i'm sure that they're wondering a couple of people are wondering what is digital and web accessibility and what are we talking about today so can you just give us an insight into generally what do we mean when we talk about digital and web accessibility digital and web accessibility is basically about making sure that any digital services, tools, uh, website, apps, anything you produce is usable for as many people as possible, um, regardless of any disability or impairments that they may have. That's like a sort of summary of what digital and web accessibility is. And um, there, are, like, there, there are several categories, you might say, of um, impairments or disabilities. Um, so on a, on a broad scale, you have things like visual impairments. So that is maybe when someone is um, blind, for example, or you have hearing impairments, so someone who cannot um, is out of hearing for some reason. Um, you have cognitive impairments, so maybe someone is um, just or um, is autistic, um, for example. Um, you have um, speech impairments, so someone who can't speak properly, um, and you have motor of physical um, impairment, so someone who cannot um, use their physical um, abilities properly um, for several reasons um, so those are the broad categories that you can put like impairments into and <clears throat> for digital and web accessibility you need to ensure that your services um, or websites can still be used by those people that would be a summary yeah oh, yeah that's very interesting and <laughs> You talking to someone that uses a pair of glasses, I can absolutely relate in a way to what you're saying, right? Because for people with disabilities and impairments, you know, depending on the spectrum of disability and impairment, one can argue and say, oh, um, I have a visual impairment, but I have, a, I have a pair of glasses to aid me, which is fine. But some people cannot easily get that kind of aid for the impairment or disability they have. But yeah, but sometimes 
I realized that even the world around us, sometimes we adjust, but it's not the best situation for people with impairments to be in. Like you end up adjusting and, you know, just living with what you get. But why can't we get more from people that design solutions and services to adjust to our needs as well? Exactly. So it's an interesting thing that you mentioned a spectrum, right? Because most people, when you think about like, um, when you think about accessibility, think about people who have permanent disabilities, um, but there's actually a range to it. So there are permanent disabilities that um, these people always have these things or always have this impairment, but there are also temporary impairments. So someone could have an ear infection that makes them out of hearing for a short while, and they will have sort of similar needs to the person who is is deaf, right? Um, And like, you, you can't always tell who has a temporary impairment for some reason. And then there mm-hmm. is also situational impairment. So on the airing scale again, you have like, say, someone who is a bartender working in a really noisy place. It means that they might not be able to sort of air things properly in that environment. That is a situational impairment. And you need yeah. to make sure that your services works for those people too. Um, and yeah. that, so say, for example, you they need to watch a video they're in the in the bar they would not be able to hear what you're actually saying in the video so you need to be able to provide the information that is being said to them in a way that they can easily um perceive it and understand it yeah yeah that's so that's so true but before we go into some other deeper questions about accessibility is also i i hear a couple of terminologies you know i hear usability i hear accessibility for a layman like me, what's the difference between usability and accessibility? Like, how do I know which to use when? <laughs> so accessi- uh, uh, accessibility is a like subset of usability. So usability as a whole is about like, you know, how easy it is to use a, 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 to use a website or a product or a service in general. Meanwhile, accessibility is specifically about um, whether that website can be used by people who have impairments. So it focuses specifically on people who have impairments um, okay. and uh, like how easy it is for them or how, how usable it is for them in that sense. So usability is like a more broad, a broader sort of um, category, category. You, might, you might say, um, while accessibility is specifically um, addressing like the discriminatory aspect of it so you can say oh i've made my website generally usable but if it's not usable by someone who has an impairment then that's discriminatory um and therefore it's not accessible so that's that's like the the broad difference between them and some people say some people say that a website is not usable unless it's accessible because like it's only partly usable for uh, some people it's not usable for a, a other group of people um and mm-hmm. so therefore you can say well your website is simply not usable so it's just about the um usability is broader and more general for like um everybody and accessibility is like making sure that you're not discriminating against a group because they um, have impairments. Ah, that's interesting. I never knew that because when you say, oh, it's usable by, you know, the general public or everybody, like, yeah, I see how that can be discriminatory. And it's like, um, well, 
how do you define general and everybody? Are you saying I'm different? <laughs> Are you saying I'm not normal? If I can use your website, if I can see the text there, are you saying I'm abnormal? So I can see how that can be discriminatory. So I also I kind of agree with the school of thought that if you if it's if your service is accessible, then that's the check mark for usability. You know. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Cool. So now, what is the role of things like assistive technologies for the different type of people that? you know, could have impairments or need aid? What is the role of assistive technologies here? So um, assistive technology, I think is exactly that. It assists people to do things that they cannot do themselves. So it assists them to basically um, give them increased ability to do the things they would need to do in their everyday life. Um, so basically just giving them a bit of um, help in that sense. And um, I suppose the popular ones when it comes to like digital and web accessibility are things like screen readers, which basically reads out what is on the screen to someone who is maybe blind. Um, um, so it reads, out the, it, re- it reads out the text to them. Um, another yeah. example is um, screen magnifiers. So again, someone who has look low vision um could um basically zoom in to like the text on the website or the things that are showing on the website so it just magnifies that for them either by zooming the text or zooming the entire thing um you also have things like um speech recognition um technology so voice control so if people have um some form of motor disability for example and they need to sort of use voice to control what their computer is doing. Um, that yeah. those are like broad categories um, of yeah. assistive tech when you're talking about web and digital. But obviously, um, if you if you move out of web and digital, there's a whole range of like assistive tech yeah. that people need, ranging from wheelchairs to everything in between. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if, I think it really also takes a lot of empathy to actually mm-hmm. be able to think about these people that have these needs right um very a lot lately i've been going to i use an iphone and i've been going through the accessibility menu on the iphone and i've seen things being added and changed over over time like they just released a new os like two days ago and i see things being added things change and the only truth is you never really think that some things are needed if you are not like in that position which is fair but like when you see some things it also makes you think that wow the world is not built fairly for everybody because you now see how that technology or that functionality could help somebody in a situation you know that they are in and you just realize that like no like we need to do better generally when we're trying to like build more accessible products or solutions and services for people mm, now yeah why is this really Sorry, you want to say something? I was going to say, uh, related to that, there's something called the social model of disability, which is a way of viewing the world. And it basically says that people are not disabled by their impairment, um, but they are basically disabled by society. Um, So it's not because of their impairment that they are not able to do things. It's because the way society has designed itself 
is not enabling them to do that. And the first time I heard that, that was a really um, important shift for me because it helped me realize that, well, you're not like you're not doing someone a favor. Like you are basically dis- creating disab- disabling experiences for people by not considering accessibility in what you're doing. Um, and I yeah. think that's quite an important um, mindset shift. Yeah. Yeah. Now you said something just now that you're not doing somebody a favor by making your solution or service accessible. Now, if we're to think about it from the perspective of a business, if they are not doing people a favor, why is it good for them to consider accessibility as a significant part of their solution or service? What does the business stand to benefit from from this? Businesses have a lot to benefit. I, I, I think about it in sort of three categories one is that it's it's the right thing to do another another way of looking at it is that it's a smart thing to do as a business because there's a lot for you to gain um, and the third way is that it's the law so if we if we if we start from is is the right thing to do like what i've just said about the social model of disability you're basically creating experiences for people that that disable them in general and um in the united kingdom one in five people have a permanent impairment. Yeah. That's 20% of the population. That's huge. And that does not account for people who might have temporary or situational impairments that will also need distance. So basically, it's a smart thing to do because you are, by not making your services accessible, you are sort of um, not building for a whole range of people. Um, there are a lot of people that you're excluding from using your services. Um, and I think the, I was looking at a stat the other day that the spending power, well, in the United Kingdom, Kingdom because that's that's where I know um, the spending power of um, people who are, who are who are disabled in the United Kingdom is about I think two hundred and forty nine billion per year or something like that Whoa. as a business <laughs> like like building for making your, sure your services are accessible means that some of that spending power would would come to you so. If you're not making your services accessible, you're leaving money on the table. I suppose is a sort of short way um, of doing that. And that's like 20% of the population that you are not optimizing for. Um, yeah. And I suppose the the other thing is that in the long run, it's, it's, it's cheaper. And partly also because like it's the law. There are laws in a lot of countries that protect people, the rights of people who are disabled, lots of different um, laws in different countries um, to make sure Mm -hmm. that they are not discriminated against. So in the long run for an organization, it's cheaper for you to think about it properly from the beginning. Otherwise, you may find yourself um, at the other end of a, of a lawsuit and having to do those things anyway, which will make it sort of more expensive in the long run. Also, there are other benefits for you as a, an organization, for example, um, search engine optimization so making sure that um everything you put on the web is accessible uh, means it's also going to be easier for um search um search engine crawlers to sort of understand the context of your um website um and it makes it 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 makes it better optimized for search engine in that sense so those are like some of the some of the reasons why this is important and like if you build accessible services um it shows it increases the loyalty i suppose people feel feel for, for your, your brand 
towards your brand and you do reputation of your brand because you are you are you are going uh, a step further and making sure that you're creating good experiences for people and uh, yeah. the the last thing i suppose is that making making things accessible makes them better for everyone so you're like ultimately making sure that um you think about people who are say disabled means that if someone is in a situation where they for some reason have a situational impairment um that's that service will also that or that design that you've done would also be beneficial for them and so yeah. ultimately it makes it better for everyone it's just easier so that's a good balance so now what are some of the laws that you have within the uk um with respect to digital and web accessibility maybe in, in in Europe generally? So there is the Equality Act, um, I think of 2010, which generally protects people from discrimination. And this doesn't just cover, um, cover like disability, it covers like all kinds of things, not discriminating based on age, race, and all of that. So it covers that and it basically, I think it just specifies that you don't discriminate against people and you make reasonable adjustments when needed for people. But the okay. general, the general standard, um, accepted standard for accessibility is the web content and accessibility guidelines. Um, and yeah. people people it's it's considered best practice so if you are trying to meet the web content and accessibility guidelines standards then you can um rest assured that your service is as accessible as possible and fine under the equality act um okay so that that's a general law for like private sector organizations for public sector organizations like uh where I work there are a few other things like you know there's a public sector equality duty that says that you have to consider people um, disability in making all your policy decisions and all of that. You have mm-hmm. the most recent one, which is the public sector bodies um, accessibility regulations, which came, I think, in 2018. And that basically says specifies that you have to meet the web content and accessibility guidelines at a certain level and you have to publish an accessibility statement on your on your websites to say you know this is our accessibility these are some issues it has these are what we are working on fixing and all of that so um there's there's all of that um and I think in 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 Europe there is European Accessibility Act, which is kind of like the Equality Act and sort of protects people from discrimination. And I think in the US yeah. you have the Americans Disability Act, which okay. offers the same sort of protection for people with disabilities. So lots of different yeah. countries have some form of law um, yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah. So so I mean, I I I'm happy that there are laws in Europe and America <laughs> to enforce, you know, the standards that they expect for everybody across board. And I know in some societies those laws do not exist because if people don't really care about people that have accessibility needs and people that have this kind of needs, like people are not even generally even fair to themselves, let alone be considerate of other people's um needs. But it's just also a way of saying that 
if your society or the environment where you're in does not necessarily encourage, you know, have those laws. It's not an excuse and it's not, you know, a reason not to actually really go an extra mile because you said it's the smart thing to do. Right. Yeah. So it is the smart thing to do. Um, and also like, it is if if you develop some empathy like you you were saying earlier like you would you you would see just how much of a barrier this can this can create so you yeah. know i always encourage people to try to build some empathy and that can be by you know trying to maybe use keyboard only for a day and see how yeah. you can get around doing the things that you would normally get around doing it doesn't mean that yeah. you would be able to probably understand how it actually feels for a person um, who has to do that but it will give you some sense and help you build some empathy um, and yeah. we found that empathy building exercises seem to be like the sort of best way to let it own for people to help people realize that wow like this is yeah. really important like we can't just you know you know create disabled experiences like this is really bad building yeah. empathy really helps you just mentioned um empathy building exercises and i think it's so important like we've normalized the convenience that we have so much that we forget about people that don't have those those conveniences something sometimes um i take off my glasses and i look at things the way my eyes would normally see them and i realize that wow like just this random plastic on my face does a lot who don't understand what they are missing out on not what they are missing out on they don't understand what we are missing out on and i can transpose that experience to someone that has a disability and realize that actually if i'm not in their shoes like it takes an extra effort to really empathize and say what might this person be really really missing out let me use my laptop as a black and white thing for a day and see what someone that has color blindness has to deal with yeah like, let me let me do some let me do everything like super zoomed in to like you know 300 <laughs> le, le, um, percent or something for a day and see if i'm able to see everything in the same way or you know let me make everything grayscale and see um what how it might feel for someone who might be colorblind um yeah so those simulated experiences are, are, really are helpful yeah yeah okay cool so now let's go to the practical stuff so for a small business, let's say a small tech business owner, I'm just on the side doing my mobile app that is supposed to like solve world hunger or something. Like what kind of questions should they be asking themselves? So from the get-go for them to begin to think about accessibility as a part of the non-functional aspects of the system, not as an afterthought. Mm, so I reckon like... Just asking yourself, do do you or the people who work for you know enough about the importance of accessibility? I think that um, education is important because like a lot of times people just don't don't do this, not because they don't want to, but they don't understand the importance enough. Um, so like understanding, helping them get that education um and helping them build empathy um is quite important and just learning the basic because when once you do that then you can begin to see you know places where you need to do better in your business or in your ways of working 
Um, and I suppose the other thing is to ask yourself if you're following best practices. So there are some very basic things that if you're if you do them properly, like your your websites will be significantly accessible. So basics like making sure you always um have um, alternative texts for images, making sure you have captions for videos, making sure like you provide proper structure for your um documents, um, you know, making sure that you choose the right colors that meet the color contract standard. Like the, if you can do the basics, um, making sure that your form labels are clear, you know, if you can do those basics, um, it would it would go a long way to sort of just um, help make your site accessible um, in the first mm-hmm. place. So trying to understand what those basics are. Um, yeah. I think it's also important to just know what the law is um, or to just get a general view um, of what the law covers um and um also it's about considering it as every stage so like you know if you are exploring a problem like getting that education helps you sort of realize which parts of that problem is not um currently accessible or which part of the journey a user might be going through already is not accessible or you can think about how to make that better like when you're exploring so when you're exploring solutions like it's important to um to test your designs to like there there are a bunch of checklists online that you can probably find to sort of walk you through the process of things to to bear in mind like you know are your colors okay um are you are you designing the sort of the sort of um, clickable area to be big enough like there's a range of questions um that you can ask yourself that would help you make sure you are doing that when you are designing the solution in the first place and it's also yeah. useful to if you if you have access to anybody who has um any disabilities impairments it's useful to test with them um and like or try to simulate an experience with them so or 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 test with different assistive technologies. So like you said, um, um, iPhones, MacBook come with like voiceover um, and some of these um, um, assistive technologies. So you could, you could you could test with those for a while and see if it actually helps or works with what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. There's There are some automated um, accessibility testing tools too that you can use to quickly see what the low and gain yeah. fruits are like what are the quick things that i can fix that can make this more accessible so it's just yeah. i suppose having it at the top of your building that empathy and having it at the top of your mind um as yeah. something to think about at every stage yeah it's not really a destination right you're saying at every stage it's a journey that you have to start it's not a, yeah, we'll get to it at some point. It's a journey that you have to start and you keep building on and you keep improving on. You keep learning more. You keep, you know, the laws change, right? You need to be on top of the changes in the laws and what has been added. You also need to be on top of, like, people's situational accessibility requirements over time and make sure that you account for those. So it's a journey that you have to start and it just never ends. It's just something that you keep you have to keep doing. I mean, Apple is still adding accessibility features on the iPhone. So who are you not to really start this journey? <laughs> exactly. I I don't think I, I'm not sure there's anything such as you know we are now perfectly accessible because while mm-hmm. there are standards, like it's really about the people. Like if if 
if you meet the standards, but like there's something that is still not accessible enough for someone, then like that means that there's still room for improvement to make that better, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the common mistakes that you actually see people make um, in the course of, you know, building more accessible solutions and services? The biggest mistake is the one we were just talking about, which is um, not considering it from the beginning. So like trying to yeah. retrofit it at the end, like, oh, I'm going to do that later. Um, you know, we'll do it at the end when we are just about to ship. That can usually be very costly because you are trying to sort of retrofit something that you should have considered through the process um and at the end you might find out that like the fix you made is not quite right because you've made a lot of decisions along the line that have not considered accessibility so it yeah. becomes a little tricky and i think that's the biggest mistake you have to build it into your processes and your checks along the yeah. way um yeah. and i suppose the other sort of common things are like yeah, ignoring those basic things, which are fairly straightforward to do, actually, you know, providing descriptive or alter- descriptive alternative text, you know, quickly mm-hmm. checking your colors um, or your brand colors with um, color contrast to make sure that the contrast works okay and adjusting them to do that. You know, things like providing appropriate link text. So instead of <laughs> instead of saying click here you should actually describe what the what the link means or where it's going to take a user so the user understands what's going to happen next um or, 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 or so that when they pull out the link out of context they still sort of can get a good understanding of what it means like things like using proper headings when you mean to instead of bold like if something is an editing, you should make it an editing because it helps um, often when people use screen readers, sometimes they can sort of try to walk through all the editings of the page to understand if they are to understand where they need to focus or what the information covers or things like that. If you use bold instead, then they, they might miss that information or not properly understand the structure of the content. Yeah. So it's those basic things, you know, things like not um having clear error messages like even even if you don't have an impairment you know how annoying it is when you are filling like, a form and you have a random error message and you just don't understand what what is like, this error exactly what? Um, <laughs> it, it, no, imagine you can't see the screen like imagine how frustrating that 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 would be for you like so it's those things and um i suppose you know just not testing enough um yeah. would say are the biggest mistakes probably yeah yeah so is there just curious is there anything like something is over accessible is it possible for something to be over accessible i don't think something can be over accessible something can be can be you know very accessible i suppose um but i don't think there's anything as over accessible yeah, I, I think there is nothing as, yeah, I believe there's nothing like over accessibility, but I I think there are some accessibility features that may not be ap- like ap- applicable to somebody. Maybe that's when it becomes more, because sometimes, just from experience, I find myself, you know, turning on some accessibility features on my mobile device. And like, after this, I'm like, nah, this is not for me. Do you understand? So it's not that it's not useful for someone. It's just like it does not apply to my current situation, 
right? Exactly. So you don't you don't need it to assess that um that app or service or whatever it is you're trying to assess, right? So you don't need yeah. it, but it is there for someone who needs that it, needs, needs it. that set, yeah. needs that setting. Um, so for yeah. them, for them, it's just accessible. Like it's not mm-hmm. over or anything of the sort. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it possible to, to do like an accessibility audit or check? Do those kind of things happen? Um, yeah, an accessibility audit is quite important actually because it's a it's a thorough review of your um you know how accessible something is or how accessible your website is uh, you, against the the standards. And um, so an accessibility audit is usually done um, ideally by an, a specialist who can then, um, you know, test your website against the standards. Um, and then the information they get from that can be used to improve your platform. And sometimes a specialist will advise you on how to make that improvement. And, and organizations can actually do these audits by themselves, right? Well, if they have the skills to do it, there are lots of people who are accessibility specialists. Um, so they have gained a lot of knowledge in this area and learned a lot about it and can um, perform those audits um, because the web content and accessibility guideline has like, I think, 50 different criterias um, that your website needs to meet. And usually they will test against all of those 50 um criterias so um it is a bit of work but then that being said there are tools that you can use to help in this process if you're not an expert so you can um there are some automated accessibility testing tools that can help um and most of them are like browser extensions that you can use the problem though is that automated tests can't catch all of the sort of possible accessibility issues so i think yeah so i think it can only catch about 30 percent of them properly um so manual test is still quite important so say for example an automated accessibility test can look through through a page if you have um, an image of some of something and you add an old text to that so an old text that is not descriptive because it doesn't portray the information that it's on that image there's no way yeah. for an automated testing tool to be able to tell you that well this old text is not good enough right so um a, an human needs to look at that and determine whether the old text is good enough in the context okay. of that okay. so you know so those there, there are a lot of nuances like that um also a few things that is trickier for an automated testing tool and i think the general um understanding is that they usually are somewhere between 20 and 40 percent of the things that they can catch so for you have yeah. to do a manual testing too and i think there are some odd there are some tools that can sort of walk you through that process step by step so give you all the instructions of how to do the test i think there's a tool called uh, accessibility insights for web and basically, it's like it's like a browser extension too, and it will walk you through all the criteria. So in that sense, you can do the manual check yourself, um, step by step. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, there are a bunch of resources online that can probably walk you through that too. Um, and yeah. another good way of doing that is maybe just testing with some assistive technologies so testing with some screen readers and some magnifiers and some voice control things would also help in that sense 
Ah, ah, interesting. And I'm also guessing that it's very really automated too. There could be false positives, right? Um, so, yeah, there, yeah. Yeah, so there could be false positives in that sense, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it still emphasizes the importance of the skill and the knowledge for you to be able to like do manual tests or be able to identify false positives um, because if a tool can only catch 20 to 40 percent i mean there's a whole lot of 60 percent that humans have to do the okay. the interesting thing though is that even though it can only catch 20 to 40 percent it's quite good to do that because most of the time a lot the majority of issues on the website is within those 20 to 40 criteria so a website may be really bad with how it's structured for example and so it would catch a bunch of those issues so it's 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 always a really good sort of first pass um before you move on yeah which is significant okay so now if what kind of um knowledge would you say is required for someone who might be interested in venturing into a career um in digital and web accessibility? What knowledge do they need to have, at least? Um, so, you know, like we were saying earlier, I think empathy and curiosity is like the, is like the baseline um, that you need to sort of have empathy for um, people who have impairments and um, understanding the importance of that. But I think also... Um, Understanding the web content and accessibility guidelines, um, being able to look at that and interpret that, um, understanding what the law says in wherever whatever part of the country you are, um, getting having some experience, you know, testing with assistive technologies. There are like a whole range of different brands um, that are popular when it comes to assistive technology. So understanding how to test with that and how to test with you know automated tools. Some experience actually doing audits um, is is useful. Obviously, some experience doing audits, you know, you know, probably writing reports around that and helping people fix the problems or teaching people how to do these things themselves. Those are all experiences that would um, definitely be useful for someone who wants to focus on this mm-hmm. as a role. Yeah, yeah, and just more specifically, if someone is producing a document for distribution for public distribution like what do they need to know just specifically if it's for, for document distribution what do they need to know so for document distribution um there are some core things um so the first one is have good structure um and by structure it means that making sure that you have the right headings in place usually ideally have one um h1 um and then you all, all the other headings can come after that um so I'm making sure that you don't like skip adding levels, for example. So like if you you shouldn't go from H2 to H4, like it, it should be gradual in that sense. You can go H2, H3, H4. You can then go back up to H2, but like coming down, you shouldn't skip. Um, another thing that you should do is to make sure that, well, your, your text is, um, readable and clear like you choose um, a good font um, because font is something that might affect people who are um, dyslexic for example so like choose a nice sans serif font make sure it's a good enough size um, is also good 
check your color contrasts. Um, make sure that your color contrast is um, okay and meet the standards. There are lots of color contrast checking tools um, out there that can be used. Um, also provide like alternative text for images. Um, so provide alternative text for any image that you that you create and make sure it properly portrays what the information on the images um, because the idea is that people cannot see the image so it's not about describing everything going on in the image but just providing enough information that people understand that without having to see it um, another one is like avoid using text on images like if you like you shouldn't have text on an image because if someone needs to zoom into that like it, it, it might become pixelated and if you ever need to have text on an image then you need to make sure that the alternative text provides you know that same text to people so that they don't have to um try and figure out what is on it um yeah. links is a is a, an important one like providing descriptive link text so um, if you are directing someone somewhere or, or linking off to something, like the link text you use should probably describe um, what you're linking off to. So you have to avoid things like oh, click here or things like that because that doesn't really tell the user anything and doesn't provide them context. Like if you have tables, make sure your tables have good structure. So use table headers where needed because that helps people orientate within the table so that they know like, you know, that this cell is related to this um, header, uh, for example. So that's also something quite useful to do if you are doing tables. That's that's a good chunk of it. Where I work, we tell people to avoid using PDFs, and um, the reason is because PDFs are quite tricky to make um, accessible, and we we don't think that it can ever be fully accessible. Um, that's because like first to make them accessible enough, it requires you have like um, Acrobat Pro um, for a start to make it properly accessible and make sure it's all, all tagged all right and all of that and even if you go through all the extra mouth to make it accessible the problem is that like people who need to look at it on mobile will probably still struggle a bit um, and also people who need to, some people need to sort of change the default color of web pages to better suit them. So maybe they cannot read things that are black and white um, and they need to change the color. Like that is quite hard to do with a PDF. So we usually recommend that only use PDF if what you're doing is designed for print. Like, so if you've designed something that needs to be printed, then um, PDFs are, are fine. But usually if not, then just provide it on the web, um, like just provide the HTML version or I don't know, an editable version. But yeah, I understand that that can be quite tricky, but that's the um, advice we give based on the kind of content that we produce, yeah. So now, 10 years from now, what would you hope that is different about how digital and web accessibility is being handled or treated or addressed in the technology industry so i would i would hope it becomes a non-issue really is it thing? like I, I i would hope it becomes like just the way we we do things like 
this this is what we do. I saw on Twitter earlier today someone saying that, well, accessibility is not more work. It's just you did not finish the work in the first place. So you've not finished. <laughs> like you don't say, don't say accessibility is more work. I I like I think I would like for it to get to the point where it becomes a non-issue and um, people don't have to spend so much time trying to convince other people that this is an important thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be seen as part of what we have to do. It's not, it's done, but it's just the accessibility part that is left. No, it's not done. (laughs) Exactly. So now let's do a quick um, scenario play. Like, it's only ideal that if we're talking about accessibility, we paint a couple of scenarios so that our audience can better understand the things that they really should think about when they are doing these solutions and services. So the first one I would like to ask you is, um, what are some accessibility considerations for making posts on Instagram and on Twitter? Like, this is for laymen. Like, I'm just trying to post my cute photo on instagram or tweet what are some things that i should consider doing to make it more accessible so i i suppose i had alternative texts um so i just i just learned actually quite recently on twitter how to add alternative text to like your gifs and your images uh, so you can actually really? do that yeah yeah you can do that so you can add alternative text to your images on um, twitter i think you can do it on instagram too or you can just uh, maybe add it in the description so if if your image does not if your caption does not describe the what's in the image um maybe useful to add um, that but i think you can also add an alternative um text um okay. on the on the advanced settings um there is an option to do that so that's yeah that's um, true <laughs> yeah so that's a useful thing to do um the the other thing that you can do is to provide video captions so if you make a video i think some of these platforms now have like an automated way automated. of generating captions yeah but um, if if you're using a social media platform that does not do that, then it's useful to for you to add those captions in yourself. It would really help people who might not be able to hear to um, understand what is in your video. Um, the other thing is um, emojis. So um, people use emojis a lot, right? Which is fine. Um, <laughs> I see you raising your hand. <laughs> People use emojis a lot, which is which which is fine, but you need to be sort of careful how you use them. So, say for example, you put like a smiley face with sunglasses and put like fifteen of them, and then write something at the end. Someone who is using a screen reader will hear something like smiling face with sunglasses smiling face with sunglasses smiling face with sunglasses it's just a lot of auditory clutter like um so usually like i suppose limits their use ideally use them at the end um of what you're saying um when i try to avoid using them to replace words because sometimes the the description of the emojis itself might not exactly match what 
what word you use it to flow of your conversation yeah. yeah so that might that might become like a, a tricky thing like and uh, i suppose just don't use too much of it <laughs> is the thing um so just um reduces the the auditory clutter for people and just helps them to get to the actual information um the other thing is color contrast so if you're if you're adding if you're creating things try to just consider the color contrast of all the things that you're doing i suppose just generally writing writing in plain english is generally useful for i suppose everybody uh but like it's basically useful for people who might have cognitive um impairments um so just making sure that you write things as clearly as possible is also good yeah wow one more thing one more thing hashtags so um hashtags is like we use hashtags a lot right but when a screen reader is reading an hashtag if you don't write them in camel case so camel case is where you start every word with capital if you don't write it with camel case a screen reader may not be able to read that properly and camel case helps the screen reader sort of know that each thing is a word and then read it better so um like if you're writing if you're writing um hashtags try to write them in camel case wow wow these are all things to bear in mind um i'm sure i don't always do them but it's good it's good to know them so that like it, it, it comes to the top of your mind when you're doing these things yeah like they are so and the the, the the ability to do these things they are already there like just you mentioning it now made me remember that actually there's that old text field where you're posting an instagram photo but i mean everybody's just like please my caption is my caption the old text who really cares some people don't even know what that field is for but it's there it's right there yeah and imagine imagine your caption um like you post an image you write a caption often they are not always directly linked right so someone would see your your caption someone who can see will be able to sort of get the caption but then they would have no sense of what is actually in the image so like you can Mm -hmm. you can even have it in your description um that's that's also okay because it means that someone who is using a screen reader will also be able to see that description um Yeah. yeah a few weeks ago i shared with you the instagram profile of two ladies of two ladies two um auditory impaired ladies and i went through their entire instagram posts and their posts are more accessible than even i that you know i don't have an auditory impairment the captions are there they use the sign language obviously because you know they they are hard of hearing and they promote a lot of you know accessibility use and functionality even though they're in the fashion and lifestyle space but it's it's funny that the people that need it are the ones making it available for everybody and those of us that in quotes do not need as much accessibility requirements are the ones not really caring about making our stuff accessible to the people that need it so it's like a flip which is bothering do you understand like yeah and, we and should that's... be providing for them they shouldn't be making their stuff accessible for me i mean in theory right 
And that's because it's their lived experiences, right? So they know that this thing is like not having inaccessible content or services is really um, bad and really sort of just disables them. So they like go out of their way to make sure that they do that for others who might be out there and need things yeah. to be accessible. And it's it's about that empathy. They, they've lived yeah. these experiences, so they know, you know. Yeah, yeah. What other, what other consideration, design consideration should we do have for people that have dyslexia? First of all, who who who, are, who have dyslexia? Because for a start, some people don't even know what that means. Yeah, so it's a learning disorder that involves difficulty reading through due to problems identifying speech sounds and learning how they relate to letters and word. It's also called okay. a reading disability and affects the area of the brain that processes language. Sometimes when people are in school, they just find it quite hard to sort of read um, in the way other people will and therefore find it quite hard to learn in the same way other people do. And um, it can be quite tricky if that's not discovered early. Um, yeah. And it ultimately can also affect um, spelling and how they spell, for example. So in those kind of cases, like it's useful to use images and diagrams to support text that you provide. It's useful to um, it's useful to provide like align your text to the left and provide like a consistent layout um, for them to read on. Um, if you have like alternative way of providing the content like video or audio, that's also useful. And then just keeping yeah. it like clear, short plain English as much as possible, short sentences, not like huge block of texts. Um, so like keep your sentences as short as possible. Um, like let them avoid italics and cap all caps um, because like that makes things a bit harder to read. So like just use normal text. Um, and then if you're designing, say, a service um, that, you know, people need to search for something, then, like, don't expect perfect spelling. So, you know how Google corrects you when you spell something wrong. That's quite a useful thing um, because if if they expect it to be perfect, then, <laughs> then you just will not find what you're looking for and just yeah. because you couldn't spell that word correctly. Yeah. How about people with color blindness? What are some of the stuff that would help? So I suppose we color blindness. The ma the main thing is to not rely on color only to convey convey information. So like say, yeah. for example, if you have a pie chart, um, and the different colors in the pie chart represent different things, like yeah. you you should you should not expect that like because you've put a label um of the colors and what those things mean that everybody knows that like you should still in each section link to exactly what they mean in text because okay. if you rely on color only the people who have color blindness might not be able to distinguish which color is which and that might make it a bit uh tricky for them yeah are there websites or tools that people can actually use to inform themselves of some of these scenarios and how they should cater to them? Um, so, yeah, so there are a lot. There's a good um, website called abilitynet.org.uk um, who um, cater a lot to people who have 
disabilities and they have a lot of resources on really? um, you know free webinars and things like that on digital accessibility and honestly if you there is um w3.org yeah which has like um a, a long list of like accessibility tools i follow i mean i follow a range of groups on twitter and like focus on accessibility that's a good thing to do too because it means that you would consistently be able to learn um from them there, there is a whole host of them gov the uk website has a bunch of information on accessibility there's also a really good good set of posters about do's and don'ts um for accessibility so yeah but like a, a quick google will, will get people sort of closer to like testing for accessibility or understanding basic checks or what to do in a certain scenario but yeah Thank you very much, Toby Ogushino. I learned a lot, you know, speaking with you here. And, you know, the most important thing is the em- empathy and yeah. having to start this right from the get-go. Like, it's it's the smart thing to do and it's better to start from the beginning, not just, you know, as, a, as an afterthought. Yeah. So, it was really interesting speaking with you and I hope that we'll have some other time to chat about something else within your area of expertise again. Yes, definitely. Thank you for having Uh me. All right.